like nothing really matters to him right now, including me. You gotta think real hard about this. Do you got people that need you now? I'm taking the fight. Victor Drago, son of Ivan Drago, who infamously killed Apollo Creed, appeared today to issue a challenge to Adonis Creed. Don't do this. I ain't got a choice. That's the same thing your father said, and you died right here in my hands. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to do the Rocky theme. And yeah. You're just too cute. You're too cute. All right, we're both too cute for the Rocky theme. <laughs> Welcome to the Wage of Cinema. I'm Jack, and with me as always is... Wifely duty, Corey. Hello, Corey. So, uh, how are you? I'm pretty good. Yeah? You think so? Yeah. Well, we are here because we, you know, I have to ask how you are, even though you're my wife and I should know how you are. I was going to say, we've spent pretty much every waking moment of the day together. Yes, uh, so. we, we have been, because we saw a couple movies today, and I thought it would be a good chance to, uh, you know, talk about two very polar extremes <laughs> of one particular actor who is now, you know, in, you know, Obviously, he's in the cast of this movie, but it might surprise you to know that he was in the cast of another movie uh, back in the 80s, and no, it's not what you think of. But let's start off with talking about the good movie first. Um, so, we saw Creed 2 today. We did. Yes, uh, we saw the new uh, sequ- the, the sequel to Creed, uh, which also happens to be the eighth entry in the Rocky series. Yes. And it also marks as what I like to call Rocky Four Part Two. <laughs> yeah, and I think that before we even get to Creed Two, we kind of have to talk about our fascination with uh, Rocky Four. Yes. Now we are both Rocky Four enthusiasts. Um, you more than me. Yeah, I mean, I kind of play along with your enthusiasm for it, but. Uh, okay. All right. So, so here's the thing. I'm like, a Rocky Four enthusiast. All right. Let's. I mean, in the Rocky series, here's what happens. I mean, Sylvester Stallone, the first Rocky movie, you know, really great, heartwarming story about you know the plucky underdog who overcomes, you know, his station in life and becomes, uh, you know, not a champion, but he gets to have his shot at facing off against uh, Paul Creed. Then Rocky Two, Rocky Three, we're following him along as he rises up. By the time he gets to Rocky Four, this is when he's, you know, like the backstory here is if you just go right into Rocky Four and you've never seen another movie, let's say hypothetically you are that weirdo who decides, hey, I want to listen, I want to watch Rocky Four after hearing what Jack and Corey have to say about <laughs> it. Here's what Rocky Four is about: you have uh, good old Rocky Balboa who now has lots of success and wealth, uh, along with his wife, Adrian, and I believe he had, yeah, he has one kid. I don't think he has two. Oh, God, I could be wrong about that. Do you remember how many kids he has? Well, we'll just say one. <laughs> yeah, for the sake of... Uh, Creed 2 makes it seem like he only has one. Yeah, yeah, so we'll, we'll just go with one. Um... And in, in, in that one, so his longtime uh, kind of friend, at one time rival, Paul Creed, 
Um, you know, they're still friends and, you know, doing the Rocky and Nepal stuff. But then there's this challenger from Russia, Ivan Drago, who wants to get at Rocky. But, but first, he actually wants to face off against Apollo Creed. I believe that's how that went. I must break you. And Apollo Creed just makes it into a big show. He gets James Brown to sing a number. Because that's what you do. <laughs> Apollo Creed does his big, I'm an all-American guy, coming out into the, the ring. And he gets killed. Yes. Ivan Drago breaks him. Is his, his catchphrase, I must break you. <laughs> yes, played by the great Dolph Lundgren. And then the rest of the movie is a, I'm not joking here, a metaphorical exploration of... <laughs> U.S.-Russia relations. Where Rocky wins the Cold War. Rocky wins... Ivan Drago. Rocky wins the Cold War. He gets the jump on Ronald Reagan <laughs> in his Tear Down This Wall speech by a full year. <laughs> Ronald Reagan clearly saw Rocky IV and was like, son of a bitch. I had this whole thing planned out and, you know, now I've fucking Stallone deal with... And it's important to know about Rocky IV and even if you get the chance to maybe re-watch Rocky IV... Because Creed 2, again, in a lot of ways, is not just a sequel to Creed. It's following up on that entire legacy of yeah. being a Creed. Being, you know, the fact that Adonis Creed is our hero. And that now that, you know, at the beginning of the movie, he becomes a uh, champion. It, they don't really spend any time exploring that. And that's fine. Like, yeah. would you, you'd say that you didn't need to see him ascending to be champion. No. Like, yeah, because that's not really the story. At the start of it... At the end of the last one, he does what Rocky did in the first movie. He gets to that point where he's now, uh, you know, lost, but really kind of won in the audience's heart. You know, he, he'll always win. You know. so. so, Victor Drago is now the challenger. The son of Ivan Drago. So that's why, the end a sequel to Rocky Four. Yeah, that's what makes it kind of a... A weird hybrid sequel it's not it's it's still a sequel but it's like a double sequel platter <laughs> and you know and it's not it's not like they can have that much between uh rocky and ivan drago like they de they have a great scene together yeah when I, when suddenly rocky realizes oh this goes back because <laughs> ivan drago's in his restaurant now, to get to one thing right off the bat, by the way, if you've seen Rocky IV, Dolph Lundgren in that movie is basically playing, like, a RoboCop. <laughs> He's playing, like, a Terminator. He's basically playing somebody who will kill you. Um, and I don't think he has much character more than that. I mean, the most they do is try to suggest he's being, like, manipulated by the Russians. Well, yeah, because Ivan Drago cheats. He gets injected with weird steroids or chemicals or whatever. Yeah, I mean they they're never really clear about that in the in probably the greatest montage since Sergei Eisenstein's Odessa Step sequence. <laughs> um, you see Rocky training, uh, juxtaposed with Ivan Drago training, uh, put to that you know great song "Hearts on Fire." So good. Which I actually, for a long time, got. I actually got that song and uh, You're the Best Around 
from Karate Kid mixed up. You're the best. They do sound really similar. (laughs) So, yeah, Ivan Drago, though, after he loses the fight against Rocky and after the Soviet Union loses the Cold War because he loses this fight. Yes, they're somehow, (laughs) for some reason, in the Ukraine. I'm wondering if there's some kind of backstory to that. Well, I mean, I guess technically, you know, the Soviet Union wasn't just Russia. Yeah. So... I guess. Yeah, but, but but my point, though, talking about that, though, is that in this movie, Dolph Lundgren gets to play a character. Yeah, well, what happens is, after he loses against Rocky, it pretty much wrecks his life. His wife leaves him, and he is shunned. Yeah, and what I like about that, though, is that, in a way, Dolph Lundgren is one of the more, is, like, kind of a sympathetic character like he and his son i mean they are the antagonists of this movie yeah but you completely understand what why they're doing what they're doing there's never a question in your mind why they're doing this and if anything you almost feel a tinge of sympathy for the son i did i really even though victor drago is the villain in this movie i wanted to give him a hug yeah and you know it's because ivan it's almost like there's this entire there's a kind of a you could say a a morality scale or kind of like a value system juxtaposition too as far as you know like and not necessarily to do with country or whatever but the side of the dragos it's all about what it means to be a loser you lost yeah. and how does that define you whereas with uh, Adonis Creed he's won. But it takes him like a like a, a while in the movie, almost like two thirds of the movie, to realize, hey, I'm actually a champion, because he yeah. doesn't really, you know, feel like he is like achieved the champion status. Yeah. And, um, and so I mean, I I, don't I know. feel I don't know. I feel like we haven't done a great job introducing this movie. No, no, no. I'll, I'll well, I think we explained the basics of it. Bas- again. Adonis Creed becomes the champion of uh, the heavyweight champion. Which he Ivan... does in literally like the first scene of the movie. Yeah, again, that's that's fine. And then again, uh, Victor Drago challenges him to the title. And so the first half of the movie is showing the kind of reluctance between, uh, you know, the kind of push and pull between Adonis and Rocky. Because Rocky's like, no, this is dangerous. This guy has nothing to lose. He's great. And Adonis like, I, I, I have to do this. And, you know, there's the question of, no, why do you have to do this? And Donis can't really answer that until much later in the movie. Then midway through is a fight. And I think the reason why it's diff- why it's not necessarily difficult, but it's not interesting to talk about the plot of the movie. Because I feel like... Everyone knows the plot of the movie already? I knew it basically five minutes in because... Yeah. The trailer shows you some key images, I feel like, and put kind of piecing them together into the story, I could guess where this was going. And so, yeah, he... With with maybe one little exception to one point in the story, but it wasn't that big a deal. I don't know. I feel like, though, we've gone too long without just talking about how we feel about the movie. Well, this movie is really good. Is that yeah. what you meant to say? Yeah, so I said... <laughs> I, I, that's, I, I thought I was kind of expressing what I find interesting right up front with the Drago and that part. But just generally speaking, you like this movie, right? I like this movie a lot. Now, 
our relationship to the Rocky series is slightly different. You've seen every Rocky movie. Yeah, now that I should there are some Rocky movies I haven't seen in you know since I was like a, a, t- a kid or a teenager. Um like I I have seen the original Rocky many times. I've seen probably Rocky 3 maybe 3 or 4 times. Um and I've seen Rocky Balboa once, Creed twice. Some of the sequels vary. I could talk about Rocky Five <laughs> if you want, which actually that might that is probably the worst Rocky movie. So you've seen them all. I, on the other hand, I've seen Rocky, the first Rocky, uh-huh. once when I was in seventh grade, which is twenty one years ago now. I feel like you and I watched Rocky no. once though. No. You don't remember that? No. I think we watched Rocky together once. I don't think so. I think you're wrong. Really? Yes. I don't remember this. Because huh. I'm, um, I don't know. I, I feel like I have a memory of us watching Rocky together and you just blocked out of your mind because <laughs> of your kind of torrid relationship with Sylvester Stallone, <laughs> which okay. we'll get into. And we have a second movie we're going to talk about after Creed 2, which. So. Oh, man. I saw the first Rocky. I only remember seeing it once over 20 years ago. I've seen Rocky Four like three or four times because it's awesome. Wait, you've seen Rocky Four more than once? Yes, I've seen Rocky Four multiple times. Yeah. You're learning all kinds of new things about me over the course of this podcast. Okay, and then you saw Creed. And then I saw Creed, and then I saw Creed Two. So I have not seen Rocky Two. I've not seen Rocky Three. I've not seen Rocky Five. Not I've seen, not seen Rocky Balboa. You've not seen Rocky Seven: Adrian's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> so I am not um like a devotee of this franchise. Okay. I liked Creed 2 a lot. I think quality-wise, with the caveat that I've only seen one, four, then Creed and Creed 2. Oh my god, where's what's this where's this going to? This is the best one of the ones I've seen. I'm poking your cheek. You can't this isn't good radio, but I'm right now. <laughs> Poking Corey's very delicate cheek. Um, it's definitely better than the first Rocky. It's better than Creed. And then, I mean... <laughs> this might be the most wrong opinion you've had <laughs> since saying paint your wagon is better than the good, the bad, and the ugly. Which is also true. <laughs> so... All right, said no one ever. And all right, the reason why now you actually and you know, but more seriously, so you like this more than Creed, though. I did. And what do you think it made it different for you? Because I, I remember you liking Creed a lot. Yes, I did like Creed a lot, and maybe it's just recency bias because I haven't watched Creed since we saw it in the movie theater. But I feel like this. Um, it was more bombastic emotionally, hmm. and I really responded to that. Like, we saw this with your mom, and she said, this movie expertly manipulated me. Yeah, and that's no, I exactly would say that. exactly how I feel about this movie. No, I no, I like this movie, too. I, I would have to think about where I would rank it, but I don't think I like it more than... Creed or Rocky. <laughs> like, so, Rocky... The thing about the original Rocky is, you know, we'll get into Stallone's acting because that's a whole other discussion of itself. But I really love the simplicity of the first Rocky. Like, the screenplay for that movie is 
an example of an exceptional script because it lays out everything using what should be cliches of a genre, but because everything is so simple, it makes it really compelling. And, you know, Mm -hmm. both the setting and how everything is, the low budget of the movie is used to really good effect. Um, But yeah, I... And and of course, you know, that whole cast is just great. But... I, I, but I get why you this would cotton to you. So yeah, Creed 2 is a thoroughly conventional, thoroughly predictable movie that I just loved. Like every minute of it was just glorious to me. Now here's a good question. Now here, let's transition to this question though, because so you like this even more than Rocky 4. Here's the thing. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I, I assume you need a qualifier for that. Creed 2 is a better movie than Rocky 4. I can't tell you which movie gives me more enjoyment. Yeah. Well, Rocky 4 is just, again, objectively, a lot of people look at, some people even look at Rocky 3 as when the movie, as when the franchise actually started to go down a little bit. I kind of want to watch Rocky 3, actually. Again, Rocky 3, get Mr. T. Yeah. Hey, like... There's a scene in Ro- when they introduce Mr. T in Rocky Three. It's great because he just appears kind of <laughs> out of nowhere when Rocky's at like a press conference, and Miss he starts hitting on Adrian <laughs> in front of everybody. Rocky Four is cheesy as hell and really campy. I mean, so good. Pa- Polly gets a robot. I know. In that movie, I love it. There's a talking <laughs> robot that Polly has to deal with. Um. Oh, this is a side note. Um, I remember actually years ago watching some internet reviewer, and I'm blanking on his name right now, but he actually broke down this whole theory about how the Rocky movies, I don't know about how the Creed movies work into it, because he might have done this before Creed, Uh but how the Rocky movies are all like an autobiographical series for Stallone. (laughs) Because it's like the first Rocky is when... He's a nobody. He wants to try to be a contender. He gets his shot. Again, his shot at movie making because <laughs> he wrote the script and acted in it. And it becomes this, you know, mega, you know, this big success. Rocky 2 is about him, like, figuring out, okay, what's my journey? You know, can I really hold on to this and make it a thing? And, you know, he gets a career out of it. Rocky 3, he's even more successful. Now he's taking on other stars again like mr t and rocky four is when he's just hit superstardom he's in yeah and it's and, full he, and, and he's getting to you know working out with like you know barrels of hay he pulls a sled <laughs> in rocky four oh so oh come on there's stuff in Creed 2 that we could talk about with silly yeah, stuff. Yeah, so basically... But 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 then Rocky Five is when he's kind of hit more, de- like, rough times. And, you know, even though he's still known, he is no longer, you know, has the mansion. And so another word... And then Rocky Six is, well, I'm going to do this one more time, literally. <laughs> and so, again, it's, it's a Stallone autobiography. That's why I wanted to just mention that. So, theory. generally... And I said this to you when we were leaving the movie theater. I think Adonis Creed is a better protagonist than Rocky Balboa. And the reason why I think this, it has nothing to do with the script. 
it has to do with the acting talent of Michael B. Jordan versus mm. Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, because, well, it's it's tough because I think that actually, at first in the movie, maybe not the first half, maybe the first third, I was kind of not sure what, like, Adonis's motivation was. And maybe that was part of the point. Like, he... He seemed very like the the script made him a little more straightforward than the first movie. Like I think in the first movie, what I liked more than in this in the script, or in you know maybe in the acting, is that Michael B. Jordan's trying to figure out who this guy is, what's his place in the world. But now it's like he it seems like in the second movie, he still hasn't figured that out. And maybe that's like true to life, but um. It just takes a little while for me to really get a sense of who he is past the cliche of my dad defined me boxing. (laughs) Now, as far as acting, uh, I got to disagree with you, I think, because, again, it's not like Stallone necessarily is, you know, he's not a Daniel Day Lewis, (laughs) uh, Jack Nicholson level actor. But this is his flagship creation. This is the guy who there's literally a statue of Rocky Balboa in Philadelphia. They didn't make that up for the movie. That statue actually exists. And playing Rocky in both this in Creed and in this movie, I think he's really good. I think he's adequate. I don't think so. I think that he really brings a lot of heart to it. Like in that first Creed when he has that little speech when Adonis finds out his cancer, like, diagnosis. Oh, like... I understand that Rocky is supposed to be a reserved, contained person, but Sylvester Stallone's inability to make facial expressions (laughs) because he's had too much fun with the human growth hormone is a real problem for an actor. I, th- he does a lot with his eyes. He does stuff with his voice. <laughs> I think he's legitimately good in playing Ro- Rocky Balboa as an older man. I mean, like, he got an Oscar nomination, and when he lost, people thought, like, he he was robbed. And, that, re- was, and that was against Mark Rylance, for God's sake. I, like, don't get me wrong. I think he's fine in the movies. I don't think he's bad, but oh come on that that scene in the hospital in this movie oh that was like oh that was so good because like you see a lot of like uncertainty on rocky's face like what he's gonna do with that physical acting in that scene i was fine with like watching him pace around and watching him like um unsure of what to do with his hands but i really don't think sylvester stallone is capable of facial acting no, no. I will say having Michael B. Jordan and also uh, Tessa Thompson, they're both so yeah. good. So and, basically, I'm okay with Sylvester Stallone as a supporting character. Yeah. But I think he's a little too much of a block of granite to mm. build a movie around, which is why I'm so much more into Adonis Creed as the lead of these movies because Michael B. Jordan, like can act circles around Sylvester Stallone. He has, and Michael B. Jordan gets a lot of good scenes here, too. Like, um, another uh, running thread in the movie, uh, kind of similar, in a way, to Rocky 2. Because in Rocky 2, Rocky and uh, 
Adrian have a baby. Mm. And there's actually, it's, oh, now it's coming back to me. I think there's sort of drama with that. The only difference is, in this movie, it involves Tessa Thompson's character. What was her name? Is it Becky? Bianca. Bianca. Um, with her character, it involves uh, hearing and, you know, possible hearing loss for the baby. Rocky Two that was a little more simplistic. It was just, Adrian. Adrian's going, you know, she might be having labor difficulties. You know, because I still had to write something in there, whatever. Um, I, again, I don't know how I would respond to what you're saying, because I think... Uh, no, I, I still think Stallone's really good here. We're just going to have to agree <laughs> to disagree. Yeah. I, I really... Well, Jack I really likes him. I think he's adequate I like to him the in, task. I like him in this movie. I think, you know, in a way, his... I don't know. Maybe I don't see as much of the plastic surgery as you do. Well, so I don't know what kind of plastic surgery he got, but I know the guy's definitely abused the human growth hormone. He he does look a bit worn down, but I think that also suits Rocky's character. Like he, I think the problem is, as I said, because Rocky himself is written as you know a very stoic a man of few words a very contained reserved person except when he gives a speech and you know i think since rocky is a character where we're supposed to believe still waters run deep you need an unusually good actor to make that type of character really work mm. because it's not like he's going to get tons of like chewy dialogue to work yeah. with and adonis is kind of like that too um, yeah. and, uh, yeah. It... So I'm kind of glad that they're reorienting this franchise away from Rocky towards Creed because Adonis Creed, I think, is a much more dynamic and interesting character to build a franchise around. All right. I, um, that's, that's a, that's, that's an interesting point. I still want to watch Rocky three though. You have done a good job of selling Rocky three to me. Well, all, well, Rocky three is also a good showcase too for, for Carl Weathers. Cause that's where <laughs> his character goes from being just, I'm Mr. Apollo. I'm, I'm good. You know, miss, you know, very much into himself where he becomes more of a, a character. Yeah. Um, what, what now let's, uh, I want to also mention though, like I said, I, I, feel like i touched on him but i really want to make it clear for people when you see dolph lundgren in this movie he's one of the best things in it he's even though really good and he's again an example of a guy who i think was able to do a lot with a little again he doesn't get a lot of flashy dialogue or anything most of his dialogues in russian this time yeah i don't even remember i don't think in rocky four they even bothered with that so he doesn't get a lot of dialogue and he's a very, um, and he's, you know, again, he's a taciturn man, but you can, he really invests his character with a lot of pathos. Yeah. And you, and you actually, if there is a weak link in the cast, it actually might be his son. Like, uh -huh. I don't remember who the actor was who played him. I looked him up, and I don't think he's really... Well, that guy was obviously much. cast because he's a big slab of beef. He he was cast, and I, as I told you after we saw the movie, he reminded me of uh, Jamie Dornan on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> he had that kind of look to him. Um, so, yeah, like I said, if you, you can kind of guess the story trajectory in this movie, 
Um, the baby element also adds some drama. In a way, what I like in this movie, and I think is best in the Rocky movies, mm-hmm. it's really a drama first and then a sports movie. Yeah, and... Again, they're not reinventing the wheel with any of this drama. But they're it has very heart. well-worn beats, but I just think the acting is really good. It has real heart. The actors, even if the script isn't that great, like I said, I still think Creed had both a better script and Ryan Coogler was really inventive with how he shot the movie in a lot of ways with a lot of the like long takes he did and things like that. Um the actors all brought it. Yeah, and I think Tessa Thompson and Michael B. Jordan have great chemistry. Yeah, even down to, um, and I know this this actress doesn't have that big a role either, but even um, the the woman who plays uh, uh, Creed's mom. That was the chick from the Cosby show. Oh, was it? Yeah. What, I, what's her name? Felicia Rashad. Oh, okay, thank you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she I have never even watched an episode of The Cosby Show from beginning to end, and I recognized her. Okay, thanks for knowing that. Um, Yeah, like, she doesn't get a lot of scenes either, but she's able to, you know, act against Michael B. Jordan and, you know, add a little bit of pathos to uh, the Apollo Creed uh, mythology. Um there's um there's kind of a mythology there so yeah it feels corny to say but like this movie just is so much heart and oh and we got now let's touch on the montage because oh, training because again one thing like i said this is rocky four part two you gotta get that moment where or it, it, what's a little different this time obviously is in rocky four rocky just kind of did this stuff on his own <laughs> randomly decided yeah i'm gonna go off into like the siberian wilderness and like run through the snow and you know pull a tractor and you know make grain or do whatever he was doing in this rocky takes him out into the desert and it's like there's this like i don't know what it is but there's like this area where old boxers go to like train or something in the desert yeah it it was so like burned out car parts and stuff all around them yeah it's like we're in like boxing ghost town and (laughs) it's here that you know you're gonna really learn how to face uh um uh you know this guy because stallone you know because rocky you know he wasn't there for the first fight this time I'm going to be here and train you because I know how to beat this guy. Which, to me, my thinking was, you know, he kind of beat Ivan Drago in the first movie kind of by luck. (laughs) You know, yeah, he really came at Ivan, but, 
he could have lost that fight too. <laughs> like he, it wasn't necessary. It was due to movie stuff. Um, but yeah, that training montage is both. It's not. It's nowhere near as cheesy as what Rocky Four does, uh-huh. but it's actually really exciting. Yeah, the training montage was awesome. Yeah, they use a good song, um, and then the, I want to mention it. I'll leave this open. There's a really nice cameo too for another key character from Rocky Four, and when she shows up in the movie, I don't know if you recognized her because. She hasn't been in a lot of stuff over the years. Yeah. Well, you know, once you shack up with Flavor Flav, that's the end. There's no coming back from that. Oh, she did that? Yeah, she had a show on VH1, like, we might as well... T- we've oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Spoilers. Bridget Nielsen is in the movie. I mean, who else could it be? Really? I don't even remember, like... I don't even remember her being, like... Ivan Drago's like side piece was I guess she was there. She was his wife. Oh, she I, was his wife yeah. in the fourth movie. Okay. Yeah, she was his wife. Yeah, and, and you know that's another thing where there's this really great scene where Ivan Drago and his son are at like this house having dinner with all these people, and yeah. she shows up, and the son gets really pissed off. He's like, "Why are all these people here? Why is she here? They all left you." And but yeah, when we were in college. Bridget Nelson had a show with Flavor Flav on VH1. Wow. <laughs> She'll be the one to get a spinoff next. <laughs> she also had a kid, like, recently. Really? Yeah. She's, she's, but she's got to be in, like, her 50s Yeah, now, she's, right? like, in her mid-50s. Wow. And somehow she had a kid. Oh, man. That's, that's weird. Weird. Jesus, thanks for sharing that. Welcome to Waits of Cinema, <laughs> where we give you way late postmenopausal childbirth news. Yeah, I don't know medically how she pulled it off, but she had a kid like a year or two ago All or right. something. Um, so anyway, I think, I don't know what else. Oh, the other thing too I should mention, the fights are pretty cool in this movie. Yeah. Again, I... I think that choreography-wise, I think actually I like the fights in this a little better than in Creed, mm-hmm. but I liked how they were shot a little more in in Creed 1 versus this one. Like, yeah. in this, it's a little more conventional. Um, but, you know, again, I was sitting next to my mom, and every time there was, like, a punch that connected, she would go like, oh! Yeah, so Creed 2, I would say... Is an even more conventional film than Creed, which is a pretty conventional film. But for me, it's like the jewel of the crown of the entire franchise. Well, that and Rocky Four are like the two diamonds in the crown. Uh, of I, course, I've only seen four uh, of the eight movies. Oh, I love your beautiful mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's things like this that made me happy I married you. Um, so if you have a double feature of Rocky Four and Creed Two, that's probably the best the franchise has to offer. I mean, <laughs> you've seen all the movies, so you disagree with that. And yes. You... <laughs> yes, absolutely, I disagree with that. And um, you actually know what you're talking about because no, you've seen no, all no, eight no. Movies. I'm I'm not trying to say. You know, if this is how you feel, then... Oh, no, you definitely know more about the Rocky franchise than I do. There's no need to, like, hide Oh, no, and as I said, I, I genuinely love the first Rocky movie more than this movie. <laughs> like, I I think that has a better 
grasp of how to use the conventions. And again, if it's a matter of preference, I, I like mm-hmm. Stallone in that more than, uh, I'm not going to uh, do I like Stallone in Rocky one or two more than Michael B. Jordan in this? That's a tough call. Um, no, my, Michael B. Jordan's probably better. It's just, uh, man, Michael B. Jordan's had a great year, too. I know. Because, you know, also being Black Panther, which is a very different character than this. He's versatility, man. Yeah, versatility is uh, really uh, cool for him. And he's he's come a long way, too. I mean, you watch him in uh, The Wire, and there he's, you know, he's just a kid. He was in Parenthood, too. Actually. Oh, the show? Yeah. Oh, okay. He was um one of the characters... Um, one of the daughter, mm-hmm. like the daughter of one of the main guys, mm-hmm. um, she was his boyfriend for like a season. Yeah. All right. So we recommend Creed 2. I yes. don't know if there's much else we could say about it. Like I said, you'll see it. You'll laugh a little bit. You'll be gripped. You may even shed a tear. I didn't cry, but I had like the welling in my chest the, that you get pre-crying. The end of the movie really works at you. Like it. it yeah. I wasn't feeling at all emotional, like like my 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 mom actually. I think was kind of tearing up a little bit. She had that Seinfeld moment of <laughs> "What is the salty discharge?" <laughs> I care, um, but you know it. Frankly, the ending feels it's mostly earned. Although I would I would know how you feel. My mom and you felt a little different. I almost felt like if there's never another Rocky movie, this would be a great way to go out. It would be, but I know it's not going to be. I know. And I'm that's but that's the thing though that is a little frustrating because No, if they stop now, they would go out on top. If they stop now, you don't have to go back and I don't know what else you do with Adonis Creed now. Like it feels like his character arc in a way is sort of complete. Yeah. I mean, I know that you could say that, you know, they they made so many Rocky movies um after what what seemed like his arc finished in the first one, but it, I don't know. Cause with boxing too, I mean, I don't know how boxing, I don't even know is that big a sport compared to how it used to be. I don't think it is. I, I don't follow this closely, but I get the impression things like ultimate fighting and mixed martial arts are much more popular than boxing. Even wrestling is kind of more popular than, yeah. than well, boxing now. It's a brutal game. Do you yeah. know who really likes boxing? Huh. Halper. Uh, okay, well, we, nobody knows who that is. My, um, <laughs> my advisor. You're saying that like people know. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah a, 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 a close advisor of Corey's. Yes, my, um, me- my academic mentor. So what, does he watch like middleweight boxing? I don't, I don't really talk to him about boxing because I don't follow it, but I know he's really into it. Like, mm. not only does he pay for, like, the pay-per-view stuff, but he yeah. goes to see boxing matches, like, in person. I haven't watched a... I don't think I've watched a boxing match in, like, 20 years because that was uh, the last time Mike Tyson had a really big fight, which was that great fight with Evander Holyfield. He bit off his ear! Yeah, I watched that when it happened. Like, I wow. watched, like, my brother got pay-per-view with his friends, and I was there in the room, and when he bit his ear, we all lost our minds. I figured, I kind of thought, this, I- I've peaked watching boxing. <laughs> I don't think it could get any better than this. Um, I don't consider myself a person with delicate sensibilities, but... 
I'm just not interested in watching people beat each other up. Like, all I can think about is the CTE. Yeah. Well, also, sometimes boxing isn't as interesting as, you know, a movie, like Creed 2 will give us a boxing match and there will be a story. Like, there's actually a story told through the fight itself. And that's also the, you know, Raging Bull, obviously, is the king of that, giving us, you know, a narrative in a fight. A lot of boxing, though, you'll watch it and it'll just be, you know, sometimes kind of boring. Well, yeah, and also a lot of matches are really short. So she's not a boxer, but I remember years ago when Ronda Rousey was a big thing, they were touting this huge fight of hers and she got knocked out in like 30 seconds. <laughs> well, that was, uh, yeah. That I know was she's not she a boxer, no. but... All right, I want to move on, though, because I want to just mention about Sylvester Stallone because that will be our bridge into talking a little bit about the next movie that we watched today. <laughs> and it's less than watched and more like we endured it. We and, endured it. Yeah. And with Sylvester Stallone, so again, you're not really a fan. Not a big fan, no. No. I mean, I forget. Did you ever see Copland? No. See, I feel like if you watched Copland, you might actually get something close to a really damn good Stallone performance. Now, granted, that's a movie that has Harvey Keitel, Robert De Niro, Ray Liotta, and Stallone. And Stallone isn't the best thing about it, obviously, with with basically the Scorsese alumni <laughs> cast around him. But he does pretty well. Like, that's the movie where he decided to try to go sort of like the, quote, real actor route, and he actually, like gained weight for the part and unfortunately but he didn't really get noticed awards wise uh so after that i think he just decided like eh, i'm just gonna cash my checks for the rest of my life and do the expendables 18 i'm gonna go do escape plan (laughs) or escape plan 2 um what is escape plan oh you never you don't remember that 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 um it's he did a movie with arnold schwarzenegger where they're in jail and oh yeah Again, they have an escape plan. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> well, I, no, Schwarzenegger's not in the second one. Just Sloan is. I have to th- like watching him in Creed two. It's like, man, you, you gotta stop doing these action movies. You're you're literally playing grandpa now. <laughs> and uh, but with Stallone, you know, he had his thing. He had his time. Um, did you ever watch First Blood? Or any of the Rambo movies? Oh, didn't we watch Rambo 3? We watched, for movie night, we watched, like, the newest Rambo. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I, I've seen Rambo a couple of times. It's confusing. So, follow this chronology, folks. First Blood. It's uh, That's the movie. It's First Blood. Stars John, uh, features the star John I Rambo. I might have seen that one. Then, you have Rambo, First Blood Part 2. Rambo colon First Blood Part 2, excuse me. <laughs> then Rambo 3, no First Blood in the title. Then Rambo 4 is just called Rambo. Confused? I saw the newest one, and I think I saw the first one. Yeah. I think, but I'm not 100% sure. The new one was pretty fucking violent. Yeah. Um, That was basically just an excuse to watch lots of people get shot, which... And I do like violence, 
But I prefer watching people getting like stabbed, strangled, bludgeoned, etc. to I'm, people getting shot. See, I'm surprised. I feel like you would have watched Rambo 3 because that's the one where, you know, again, we talked about Rocky 4. He single-handedly ends the Cold War and then gives a speech. Rocky 3 is where he ends the war in Afghanistan. <laughs> back well, when, you know, this, the... Uh, Bin Laden was on our side. <laughs> Did I watch that with you then? Because the only Rambo I've ever watched is what I've watched with you. Then, I, I'm, then I guess not. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, Stallone carved his place. Sometimes he was not good and sometimes he tried. I mean, you know, you had Judge Dredd. You had a movie like Cobra. You ever seen Cobra? I'm not, I don't even think I've heard of Cobra. Cobra is so 80s. <laughs> Cobra actually has like a. Mo I remember Cobra had a montage in it that made Rocky Four look simplistic. <laughs> like there's a sequence where, it's like it's just like this. He plays a character named Cobra, and he's like driving around, and it's intercut with like criminals doing nefarious things <laughs> in a factory, and and the factory is like covered like full of smoke and. I think there's like an army being trained in the factory and oh my God. All right. So anyway, this all leads up to, again, we, the we, true high point of his long and storied career. Yes. Playing Cobra. Oh no, my. the true high point of his career is rhinestone, <laughs> which is the other movie we watched today. Oh. <laughs> oh. I was about to tell a little anecdote though, before we got to rhinestone, because it's talking about Cobra reminded me. Okay. This is very, this is so random, but I, I remember once reading, like, uh, I remember reading a biography of Quentin Tarantino, uh -huh. and, you know, back in the 80s when he would, you know, go see everything. Yeah. And, but sometimes he would see, he would go to see so many movies, and he would just, you know, he would see anything, he'd see all junk. And his, sometimes his friends would want to hang out with him, but he would be going to the movies. And there was some anecdote about how he went... He had to go see the movie Cobra opening day. And Stern's like, no, just don't go. Stay home. And and Quentin Tarantino said to his friends, I take my movie going very seriously <laughs> without like a trace of irony. <laughs> Cobra. All right. Rhinestone. <laughs> oh, why, if the why... people could see the look on your face right now. Now, right, to be fair... You hadn't heard of this until I told you about it, right? Here's the thing. I think I had heard, I had literally heard the name, but I didn't know anything about it until you told me about it. Yeah, I, I was reminded of it in a way because I, to, to, talk, to plug a fellow podcast uh, with movie lovers, uh, the 80s All Over podcast with Scott Weinberg and Drew McQueenie, uh, they're currently in 1984. Uh, covering all the movies that came out that year. And in one of the recent episodes, they talked about Rhinestone. And uh, and I, I didn't even know what it was about. But I, for some reason, I had Rhinestone for years on DVD. And I had a copy of it. Which is so amazing that you were motivated <laughs> to take this movie out to either rent it from Netflix or take it out of the library. Yeah. You were motivated to seek this movie out, check it out, make a copy of it, and hold on to that copy yeah. and for don't, years. And don't, please don't come after me, FBI. I'm, you know, 
I love you so much. <laughs> um, and the thing was, I think why I got this movie years ago was for ironic reasons. I thought, oh, this will be a really fun, bad movie. Like, we could, I'll put it on and... You know, Sylvester Stallone, you know, he playing like a singing cowboy. You know, that sounds pretty ridiculous. No. Don't watch this movie. Yeah. No, this is not a fun, bad it's movie. It's not fun, this like, at bad. all. This is bad. This is bad, 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 bad. I'm like, I'm pointing my finger <laughs> at the DVD right now. Bad movie. Bad. Bad. I was the one that really pressed us <laughs> to watch this Excuse once me. you told me about it, because... Now, I only watch bad movies. Okay, so for those of you who don't know, Rhinestone um, takes place in the early mid-80s, set in New York City. The happening country western music scene <laughs> in Manhattan in the 80s. Listen to this. <laughs> Face palming. Fa this whole movie should be, not. this isn't Rhinestone, this is Face Palm Stone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so basically, Dolly Parton works at this country music club in Manhattan, and the owner of the club is this, you know, one of these douchebags that has his, you know, shirt open down, like, to halfway through his waist, and some, we learned that she had signed a bad contract with this guy, and, you know, she wants to try to make a career for herself, but he won't let her go, um, for some, for some reason, I don't know, like, and there's so much to talk about with this club itself and other things. But the basic of the plot is, again, so she wants to get out of the contract. He makes a deal with her because it keeps happening that he, the owner, puts these jack-offs on stage who are... They have, like, amateur open mic nights yeah, they have at this club. They have amateur open mic nights, which, yeah, you're going to get some people who aren't good at playing country music. In Manhattan, <laughs> mid '80s, you have everything going on with rap and punk and <laughs> right. Anyway, so Dolly Parton makes this deal with uh, the owner. I'm gonna make a bet with you. I bet the the owner makes a bet with Dolly Parton. I bet that you can't find a guy who the audience will like. And she says, "Oh, you're on." Um, <laughs> and the 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 deal is. If she wins, he tears up the contract that he has with her so she can go off and be her Dolly Partonist. Um, if he wins, not only does he extend her contract, she has to... Sleep with him. Have, yes, have sex with him. Uh, that, I don't know how that works. So anyway, she's on the street with him and says, I bet you the next guy that comes over here, I will make him into a good country singer. The guy who comes over, cab driver, shirtless, maestro, Sylvester Stallone, who... Oh, God. Uh, oh, man. And so the movie is a wacky comedy. <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm honking a horn because it's funny. Laugh. Where yeah. Dolly Parton takes uh, Sylvester Stallone down to her home in Tennessee. To turn him into a country music singer. Yeah. And it's so wacky because it's, Sylvester Stallone is really, like, meat-heady and Italian it's, it's, and New Yorky. And... Yeah, try to imagine she's all that. But if it <laughs> sucked... But why are you creating a mom?
And they call him Frankenstein. And the tavern down the street is the laboratory where he makes the transformation all the time. And a shine of Dr. Bud is a pint of monster blood. And it does affect me different every time. Like, just imagine that premise. Like, imagine a studio who was, like, so hungry, like, or so starving, really, that, you know, they, they decide to say, you know who should be a country singer on film? Sylvester Stallone. And no, who hears that idea and says, you know what, honey, let's take our kids out to the movies tonight and go see Sylvester Stallone and Rhinestone. This movie is anti-comedy. Th- th- this is one of those movies where, and what's crazy is that it's directed by Bob Clark, who was coming off right off from A Christmas Story. Which you think about that, the jump from A Christmas Story to... Rhinestone? <laughs> That's like, oh my god! That 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 I don't know how well else to compare that to. That that's like, I I don't know if like, uh, my brain is so dead. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, we're dead after seeing. Uh, it's you know you know what it would be no you know what it would be like if Tim Burton had gone from making Ed Wood right to Alice in Wonderland. <laughs> With nothing in between. Like, it's that much of a difference of quality. This is one of those movies which Hollywood has done for many years where it's, it's a lot of it's in the script. A lot of the script in this is shit. Awful. Um, it's that type of thing where they're really, really stretching for laughs. Hey, laugh, right? Laugh, right? <laughs> Aren't isn't this funny? Look, Sylvester Stallone's wearing a shirt where it looks like it's his ribs, his rib cage. Yeah. Which happened the same year in Spinal Tap, by the way. Um, and all the shirts are really weird. I feel like that's one of those minutia things that the How This Get Made podcast would talk about. But what was with his shirt? Did they record an episode about this movie? I'll have to look it up. I have no it idea. It seems like one that they would Yeah. Do. All right, but let me go back a ways. This club... What's with this country club in the heart of Times Square in New York City? Yeah, because that was the thing that was happening. And look, I'm not saying, I'm sure that there were country music fans in Manhattan or New York City somewhere. But a big time country western club in Times Square in like the mid 80s. And and these people who come into the club... um, you know what they're they're automatically just drunk and being assholes and it seems like whoever goes on stage they're just not going to like them cuz they're you know movie character extras so so all, all automatically the premise is you know off like the what how this could maybe work is it like i was trying to think oh, is watching this where this. you were going to said is this what you teased before, where when we were watching the movie, you told me there's a way this movie could work, but I'm not going to tell you what it is until we were yes, the podcast. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How this could work is, well, first of all, Stallone is out. You know, you, you don't have Sylvester Stallone in this goddamn movie. You have... Anyone else? 
you have somebody who actually, first of all, has the talent to sing. Um, and then secondly, you know, and you get somebody preferably as, you know, uh, 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 you know, chemistry with Dolly Parton. Um, but also you don't set it in New York City. Set it anywhere else. Yeah. Set it like out in the the Midwest somewhere or in the South. You have like a country club where, first of all, it's believable a country club exists there. And then maybe, I don't know, you have, maybe you could still have the fish out of water angle in some way. I don't know. Maybe it's like a kind of preppy versus snob story. I thought I maybe had a more elaborate way of explaining this, but you should have told me when you had the idea in your brain. This is what I you know. get for waiting. I know, I know. I should have wrote it down. Uh, Sylvester Stallone really is bad in this movie. Very bad. He, he's and you know again, I was half-heartedly defending him as Rocky. I'd even defend him. I'd say he gives a good performance in First Blood. You know, I mentioned Copland. There are a couple other movies out there. He is just. What is he doing in this movie? He's like, there's the first time he tries to sing to impress Dolly Parton. It's a like a disaster. Yeah, and it's so bad. It's like no real person would ever behave oh, this way. No, I gotta go back ways. All right, I remembered now what how you can make this better. Okay, it needs to be serious. You don't make it a comedy because then it's funny. <laughs> you need to make this more like dancing it's on. And then you could save it. Like, for, again, I, I still say all the other stuff I said. You got to change the setting, change your actor. But if you make it a serious thing, then you have something because... You know, like, you could have, like, a good... You you aren't trying to strain for laughs. You have, like, a sincere movie involving, like, this really dumb premise. But at least then, you could find something to laugh at. This movie... I thought... when I saw a clip from this movie before we... I showed you a clip of it, right? Yeah. And it's Sylvester Stallone, and he's singing this song called... Drinkenstein or whatever. Yeah, it's like... The Frankenstein monster, but with Alcohol. beer. Um, in the context, you know, out of context, that's like, wow, this is fucking crazy. I can't wait to watch this movie. Because <laughs> you're watching Sylvester Stallone in, like, a Hopalong Cassidy costume. <laughs> and he's singing this ridiculous song. And you think, oh, this movie's going to be a lot of fun. No, in the context of the movie, that's another just bad scene. And... And, of course, with the plot, you have the guy who then he and Dolly Parton are going to fall in love. And they are going to... And they have anti-chemistry. This is anti-comedy and anti-chemistry. From what I've heard on... When I listened to the 80s All Over podcast, what they said was that the reason why Stallone did this was because, you know, a studio will often do this. They'll offer a star, hey, here's a million dollars, be in our movie. And he said yes... Because Burt Reynolds did a movie with Dolly Parton a couple years before this called The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas, uh. which is, damn, that's a good title. <laughs> um, and I think he looked at Burt Reynolds and thought, I can do that. And guess what? You're Burt Reynolds. You're Sylvester Stallone. 
you're not one in the same. <laughs> you know, one of you is an actual shit kicker. The other one is the Italian stallion <laughs> from Brooklyn. Now, obviously, comedies don't have to be grounded and realistic. If this movie was actually funny... I would forgive the fact that the premise is ludicrous and it's not based in reality at yeah. all. Well, well, it's kind of like uh, that that movie Wedding Crashers. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a premise that strains credulity, but it's kind but it's funny. Yeah, but the movie's actually funny. This movie is not funny at all. All the like quote unquote funny dialogue is is like cringe inducing there is not one time this movie made me laugh when it was trying to no it was full of mugging it was full of also stereotypes that if i came from the south i'd want to punch stallone in the face yeah this movie's version of the south is based more in like the 1880s than the 1980s. There's a moment where <laughs> characters, when we first meet Richard Farnsworth, by the way, is in this movie. If you have ever seen The Straight Story, you recognize him. Uh, he plays Dolly Parton's father. And when we first meet <laughs> him, he's playing like some country music on a porch. <laughs> and one of the musicians is blowing on a jug. Yeah. A jug! And literally every character is like tobacco stained teeth and like random farm animals are just wandering it, around the, the street. The idea and... of like the country in this movie is hee haw. And yeah. on the opposite side of it, uh, Stallone's character, his family are so Italian, they make the, the characters in Moonstruck look like the, God, like the Godfather. <laughs> like, it's. It's like I made the joke that everything ends in there. I got the, the laptop here. I got the, the, the thing. I got the piano here. I got the thing. And as I told you, late last night, I was watching Goodfellas again, because why not? Even though I've seen Goodfellas but, a hey, lot. Hey, there's, there's never a, a, a reason so to not I watch So I was Goodfellas. watching Goodfellas from like 1 o'clock in the morning till 3.30 in the morning last night, technically this morning, and the transition, the fact that within 24 hours, I will have watched Goodfellas and Rhinestone. It says a lot, like I said, that Bob Clark, again, he comes off from a Christmas story and makes this. Compared to Rhinestone, Baby Geniuses (laughs) is not a step down from from this but yeah and let me tell you the people any if anyone's actually listening to this um they don't know us so uh, but i have to assure you for me to be shocked about the degree to which a movie stereotypes the south is saying quite something yeah but but again (laughs) it's not just the south it's like there this is just full of gross types and it would be again it'd be one thing if it was funny but it's not. It's just throwing stuff at at you. Again, full of mugging. Stallone, when we first meet him, he picks up uh, Asian stereotypes that, again, make the Chinese restaurant scene in A Christmas Story yeah. seem subtle. Um, I mentioned the Italians. Yeah. Uh, it, and I'm not totally anti-stereotype in comedy and i'm not a person who believes that all comedy needs to be woke or whatever but 
this movie is lazy and obnoxious and not funny at all. Oh, it's so obnoxious. The script that you throw a rock at the script and you find an atrocious line. Uh, there was one line in particular where the, the father, like Stallone's father character, like he's, he first meets Dolly Parton and uh, mm. I think Dolly Parton maybe says howdy or the word howdy comes up and the father responds saying, Hey, I know howdy. I've read a book. Yeah, I know what howdy means. I, 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 I swear to God, I had a meltdown. I, I almost had a nervous <laughs> breakdown hearing a line of dialogue in a movie. Because the thing is, it reminded me of a, of a... It was kind of a painful reminder of when I used to get... I used to go see every movie that came out in yeah. theaters when I was in high school. Like, I would just... I would see anything. Because I thought, if I'm going to try to learn about movies... And about filmmaking, I want to see everything I can, uh, you know, especially if I have all this time on my hands, you know, schoolwork, who needs that? Um, <laughs> I, I'm just going to go see movies. The most painful thing, really, with in movie going is when you have a bad comedy. Because, yeah. especially if it's a dated bad comedy, too. Um, and, you know, there can be times where I'll recognize that something is dated in a comedy, um, that I even love, like the Three Stooges. That has some. That there's some racist jokes in that. You have there are some black chef characters in some of those Three Stooges shorts. You know that have literally the bug eyes. Yeah. And uh, oh man, I'm just remembering. Like this has nothing to do with anything. But I'm just, I was just remembering, like an like an Asian joke in one of the Three Stooges joke shorts that my brother and I have quoted to each other like our entire lives <laughs> oh i'm glad you're giving me a sympathetic look right now um anyway my point is rhinestone is horrible it's a horrible horrible movie and i feel you know even with dolly parton and richard farnsworth you know they're kind of left at sea in the movie you know and i like dolly parton actually like when we watched we recently watched nine to five yeah, and, and she was delightful in that yeah, movie. Yeah, and 9 to 5 is an example of a movie that's very broad and very silly, but it's really charming. And it's also that was also a movie based in a reality. It was set in a New York City you could recognize. Yeah, so I'm not against broad movies or silly movies or movies that... Um, are really kind of goofy and even a little cheesy and ridiculous. But Rhinestone is, it's not funny. There's, I think the Dolly Parton and Sylvester Stallone characters are supposed to have like charming banter, but really it's just mean. Yeah. Pretty much throughout the entire movie. Like even after they screw they're just like mean in yeah, the they're way they mean. interact with each other. And then the movie also has that third act reveal, which again, if you've seen She's All Fat, was in that movie, and that even doesn't make any sense. And it's it, it's like the idea this the movie's idea of comedy is Sylvester Stallone needs to try to get to Dolly Parton late in the movie, so he steals a a police horse, I think. And rides on a horse through the streets. 
and then like <laughs> wacky hijinks ensue and it's like oh watch out ah, the horse oh and did we mention this movie is an hour and 50 minutes long an oh, hour God. and 50 oh, minutes God. heaven's gate is four <laughs> hours long it has better pacing than this movie does <laughs> it it really does this movie should not be a hundred and eleven minutes long even at, i mean that that's not to say if it was a shorter movie it would just mean that it's shorter it wouldn't necessarily mean it's better yeah but, at but least it also our pain would have ended sooner it being it's inexcusable that it's this long this is and it's i know there are actually a lot of comedies that have this problem nowadays but to see it here you know some scenes there are some scenes where i just felt like um it, it, it's like i think roger ebert once had a joke that like the projectionist has like a gun up to the film rail <laughs> and wants to put it out of its misery um it's that kind of movie so i don't know it was an interesting day for us because we started off with you know creed 2 which was a legitimately good movie and then we thought well let's continue this stallone train and putting on rhinestone was one of the biggest mistakes of my life yeah now this is apparently an infamously terrible movie, so we're probably not telling the people anything they didn't already know. If no, I, I assume actually, I assume unless if you are really, unless if you really know Stallone and Dolly Parton's careers well, you probably haven't even heard of this movie. That's the thing is that it's also, even if it was not as atrocious as this is, it also would just it would be forgettable. Yeah, but I was so irritated by this movie. Literally, the only saving grace was your expert commentary throughout. And, but even that, I was having trouble coming up with with things, you know, just to, to kind of rag on it about. And well, because eventually the movie just wears you out. Because it's long, it's lazy, it's unpleasant. This has the most unpleasant characters since Unfriended. <laughs> it's that level of terror. And the final scene, the feel-good scene where Sylvester Stallone, you know, has his big, like, singing moment, we finish up with the two characters bantering about how Dolly Parton deserved to be sexually harassed because of her big boobs and, her, like, her low-cut top. Yeah, that's another thing this movie is, uh, it, you know, it, it emphasizes, and maybe this is the costume designer's fault more than anyone, but it, they really emphasize Dolly Parton's boobs more than her, you know, charming personality, and that's pretty gross. Yeah, and then it ends with the characters being like, ha ha, you deserve to be sexually harassed because you have really big boobs. Yeah, but it's okay because, hey, we're all going to sing a song and everything will be fine. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 it's... You know, because we, you, you we're both the same way. We kind of have fun with, you know, movies that are not good that we can poke fun at. I pretty much only want to watch <laughs> bad movies with you these days. I like never, I'm never in the mood to watch good movies. I know. It's kind of an outlier that we see a movie like Creed <laughs> 2 together. <laughs> <laughs> no, we see good movies. We just don't have the energy to talk about them on the podcast. Yeah, so 
I was will I was hoping this would be a fun bad experience, like a dancing it's on experience. But no as you mentioned, but no, it's just really unpleasant. This and is again, this is one of those examples of uh, a turkey top to bottom, like um I have to imagine like an executive uh executives back in the day and they might still do this they'd sometimes go talk to each other in the halls of their of their offices and be like oh, so what piece of shit are you working on this week <laughs> unironically because they just know they're working on terrible stuff and this is oh and one last point sylvester stallone here's a little movie trivia for you turned down romancing the stone and beverly hills cop to be in this movie excellent uh, hey, Michael, if I were Michael <laughs> Douglas and Eddie Murphy, I would have sent Sylvester Stallone, like, champagne to, like, thank him. <laughs> All right. So if you happen to have seen Creed 2. Or for some godforsaken reason, you've seen Rhinestone. Yeah, or any of the other Rocky movies or have any thoughts about Stallone, send us a message to Wages of Cinema at Gmail. Again, we're also on Facebook at the Wages of Cinema podcast or at Wages of Cinema, send us a tweet there. We love to look at your feedback, and uh, if we get something, we'll try to read it on the air. Um, and when we come back next time, well, it won't be rhinestones, so automatically <laughs> we have nowhere to go but up. <laughs> you know, say you know, Neil Breen would be a step up from this. So, um, so next time though, we'll have something good for you. Um, so until then, tonight I'm uh, I'm Jack. I'm Corey. And the wage of cinema is... <laughs> Actually, I don't know if that was Stallone or Schwarzenegger. It could have been either one. <laughs> it's death. <laughs> and hugs. All right. Yeah, I was waiting for that. Good night. It's not just us anymore, Dave. I want to rewrite history. If you want to fight this man, that's your business. But don't pretend this is about your father. It was all about my wife, my kids, the life that I live. Through the night, I was his. It was right when I did my ups and downs, my slips, my falls, my trials and tribulations, my heart, my balls. This won't be the end of me. Or you. It can't be, because we're a team. Now you know what you're fighting for. Round after round, you learn more about yourself. And when I stepped in that ring,